Hello, and welcome to Ungodly, the Magical Grimoireum. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, Besh. Thank you, and welcome, Avery. Uh, we are finally getting back to our story after our little special graveyard episode. Uh, I must remember to go back and provide them some, some peeled fruit or maybe some nuts and say mm -hmm. thank you. Uh, it was great. It was super fun. Very cold. <laughs> yeah, which was a little weird. <laughs> yeah, a little weird. Um, besides that, we're in Halloween week or approaching Halloween week. Yeah, getting closer, getting closer. Happy spooky season. <laughs> <laughs> so just to remind everyone... In our story, we left off with Tituba, the woman who was accused of witchcraft in Salem, um, shape-shifting into a wolf and gnawing off the, uh, the dogmatic and controlling cardinal's face. Mm -hmm. Avarice meets avarice. Yes. I, I shouldn't have said dogmatic. I didn't mean that. He's just a very overbearing religious figure. Right. Right out. Right out, right out. And um, just to have a slight spoiler, but somebody might be appearing in the story that has already appeared before. Um, so just keep your eyes, your ears peeled for that. <laughs> but here's a hint. Pop! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, you can't beat that kind of an introduction. Without further ado... Here yeah. we go. The screams that came from the cathedral were horrific, but Tituba only saw red as she continued gnashing her way through him. I've given him his wish, she thought. He can live eternity in hell. I will finish him off and then go to this Saint Germain abomination he is so enamored with. Was. How truly selfish and ungodly these men can be. To want to live forever and to use and abuse others to do so. Saint Germain must be dealt with before this eternal disease he's purportedly mastered can be spread. Licking her lips, Tituba returned to her human form and headed through the stone walls of the narthex towards the cardinal's study. In the far right compartment were his travel papers, including instructions of where to find Saint Germain. Some place called Toronto, original name Te Iagon. Tituba heard of the territory, which the French had named and showed great interest in colonizing. Makes sense that such a sketchy fellow as Saint Germain would be interested in living there and taking the land of the native people, Tituba thought. She then noticed a year next to the location. 2022. It can't be! Hmm, 2022, really. It's interesting. So I, I can't help but wonder, is there uh, maybe a numerological significance to, to that year being a six? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, well, more so the, the three twos are an incredibly intuitive number. Yeah, <laughs> intuitive. <laughs> <laughs> and I just also wished for it to be a little bit in the future. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, don't let me intrude. Let's continue. All right. 
As Tatuba ruminated of how on earth... <laughs> no, you're not putting that in. <laughs> As Tatuba ruminated about how on earth she would travel to the future, she felt her stomach lurch. In the pit of her stomach, she felt like some sickly seed was taking root, eating her insides. Could it be the decrepit, oozing flesh of the cardinal making her sick? She then heard a growling. It was coming from her own mouth, which she had subconsciously opened. Hundreds, no thousands, of voices were coming out of her in a roaring cacophony. She thought the cardinal was possessed that was his secret to living so long and why he was rotting indeed the man was containing vile fourth dimensional creatures who feed on fear of which he had an ample supply dear tatuba who had devoured him was now also becoming possessed the roaring ceased but she had little time to breathe and then her lips parted again and out came a wretched voice. Search underneath the scones in front of you and pick up the object She did so mechanically, without thinking. Her hand fell upon something round and stone-like that was clinging to the sconce's metal. She pulled and it popped off. It's a magnet. It's a magnet. <laughs> it's a me, a magnet. <laughs> That'd be a cute Halloween costume if you were Luigi and I, I was Mario. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cute? Yes, I would do this with you. Excellent. Okay, back to the story. It's a magnet. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it's a magnet. <laughs> okay, I'll get this soon, guys. Okay. <clears throat> it's a magnet, she announced. That's right. The voice replied through her. Once Mesmer master time travel, he brought it to your master as payment to keep you safe. Tatuba protested. He nearly threw me to the wolves, and now because of him, I've got you. 
As she finished the retort, Tatuba's hand involuntarily squeezed the magnet, and she could hear the voice from deep in her mind. That was the voice summoning Mesmer. And so, with a large pop, the father of animal magnetism was summoned. Well, hot damn! (laughs) So you'll remember Mesmer from uh, having uh, popped into Tatuba's timeline when she was stuck in the jail and -hmm. waiting for somebody to pay her jail fees. And uh, he's the one who went bippity-boppity-boop around on stages in Europe (laughs) during his time to try and tell people that he'd cured them and everything. But he was very interested in magnets and using them to, um, I guess, like uh, kind of manipulate the magnetic field to help cure people. Yeah, yeah. Um, The whole idea of animal magnetism is essentially that there's uh, the the electromagnetic field uh, is something that we inherently interact with both on like the level of an organelle as well as an organism. So mm-hmm. like your, your kidney will have its own electromagnetic field and so on and so forth. And it's, uh, he, he purportedly supposed that, uh, the spleen was what generated the entire electromagnetic field of the human body or, or like it was the center of it at least. Oh, interesting. Didn't we have a weird thing about my spleen yesterday? Yes, yes. We were oh. looking up um, some traditional Chinese medicine as to uh, what would cause a, a specific ailment. Yeah, yeah. What was... Sorry, I, I literally can't remember. It might... It might well, it suggested that there could be an imbalance of, of qi in the, in the spleen. Yeah, and then... Um. Oh, right. Okay, so I have this smelly left armpit. (laughs) I I have no shame. (laughs) I'm not really a smelly person, and you have to get up quite close to, like, detect this... You smell delightful. ...pour or whatever. And believe me, I would know. ...awry. (laughs) Yes, but it's, like, this continual problem. Not not really problem, but just thing that I notice. And so Besh was looking this up, and he was like, oh, with traditional Chinese medicine... Um, it seems it might actually have to do with your spleen. So you might want to like think about that at least or yeah. look into it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, sorry, that was off topic and um, <laughs> entirely too much personal information, but I just, I'm I still an open find book. It, I still find it hilarious that it's just the one armpit. You know, like, <laughs> and it's kind of funny because I also have a thing where like I've got the one smelly foot. Yeah, yeah. And don't worry, I have looked up like what that could possibly be medically, like if it's related to any diseases and stuff. So don't worry, (laughs) I'm researching and stuff. You don't have to worry about my health. Um, (laughs) I'm going to get a bunch of Dr. Oz comments. (laughs) Yeah, but I I will bring it up to my doctor. Okay, so anyway. Um, So Franz Anton Mesmer, just so you know, because I always forget, he was born in 1734 and died in 1815. So he's like kind of in between um, Agrippa, I would say, and um, Blavatsky, sort of a thing, if we're trying to. Uh, Much, much closer to Blavatsky. Agrippa was considerably earlier. This is true, but he was in between. (laughs) Agrippa was what, 1500? Yeah. Okay. Um, And Agrippa is the one who wrote the three grimoires. 
the yeah the three books goetic. of a cult the three books of occult philosophy yeah about and uh, possibly goetic, about goetic demons yes yes yeah okay um blah. all right so um strangeness 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 we did record a full full-blown story about uh possession that happened to somebody that i i knew um and then when I checked on the recording, the first half of that entire conversation was just completely obliterated, just gone for no good reason. It didn't make any sense at all. Um, so unfortunately, folks just don't get to hear that story. <laughs> We're not going to do it twice. Something says don't do it. So uh, yeah, not going to. Um, that said, be advised, there is a trigger warning coming up. Um, Possession's kind of a weird topic, but uh, we will figure out the timestamps and include that on our, our YouTube post, uh, just in case anybody does need to skip ahead, but now you've got a lot less to skip ahead. <laughs> You'll miss out much less of the story because it's mostly gone. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it seems like about probably around 42 minutes or so, that's when we start getting to some of the the lighter materials that are Hopefully less problematic. Fun and spooky. Lighter fare. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? A <laughs> uh, quick little content warning. The following stories are genuine and for that reason, uncomfortable. Um, I don't know exactly how to label this content warning, but perhaps if you have had or been close to experiences of possession or anything like that it might not be uh, it might not be easy to listen to but perhaps it'll be helpful and that's it Keep here we fresh. go um, also has like a bit of an entrancing quality oh Ugh. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, that person has never been the same. Um, yeah. So I don't just lightly caution when I say don't use Ouija boards. Like, of course, people are going to do whatever they're going to do. But I've got my reasons for saying, fuck that noise. <laughs> what do you think about Ouija boards? It is because like you said, you did precautions to try and make the space spiritually safe and protected, but mm. it didn't work. Well, I don't think that it's got anything to do with the material. Uh, like it's, it's essentially just a Mattel piece of cardboard and a little piece of plastic on top of that. You know, like I don't think that's got anything to do with it. I think it's got everything to do with how that sits in the cultural mind. You know, the, the amount of conversations that people have had about Ouija boards, the amount of experiences that people have had, the, you know, like it, it creates its own atmosphere. So sort of like kind of like an egregore. Yeah, kind like of like big, an egregore, but not quite. Monster we've created through thought. Yeah, yeah. So another good example of this, um, you know, how there was this thing in the news not that long ago about uh, police collapsing on the job just from touching fentanyl. And, and what? It, yeah. So 
for one, it's scientifically and chemically absolute bullshit. Uh-huh. I'm not saying that these officers didn't have the experiences that they did, but uh-huh. it obviously was not an overdose. And every single time that they were medically examined afterwards, there was no trace of it in their system. Wow. So it was not a matter of them overdosing, but it was a matter of them being scared enough of the possibility that they could, that their body went into an anxiety shock. Mm, I think that's a bit what happened in Salem too, how all the people, right, the girls mo- mostly um, started having fits and tremors and yeah, feeling like they were being pinched and stuff. It was from like great fear and it um, just spread. Yeah, yeah, mass hysteria. There's um, mass hysteria. Another example would be uh, I can't remember the name of the village, but there was a Ukrainian village where like seven thousand children. Uh, went through horrific time, um, and and they thought that it was because they were being microwaved by by the Russians, essentially. <gasps> oh, uh, how terrible! But it was actually just mass hysteria brought on by one single case of uh, a pulmonary infection. Oh my god! Okay, so with this instance, do you think that um, so yes, yeah, so people kind of get this scary idea of Ouija board and what happens when you use it but because there is so much fear surrounding it actual malevolent spirits and demons use that as an avenue to be able to attack people uh yeah I think it goes both ways I think that uh like if if I were if I were some spirit or some demon looking for a convenient pardon me (laughs) A conveniently unlocked door, you know. What what better way? Hmm. Um, but also, different people have different sensitivities to things. Uh, the individual in question was definitely uh, a sensitive individual, and um, how would I put it? Maybe not necessarily very consciously woven, but deeply woven into. Uh, the other side of things. Okay. Like across the veil. Yep. Okay. Um, but again, I think that that's, that's something that is naturally going to, to vary within people across the board. I think that also naturally it's going to vary within people across the board as to how, how capable they are of handling that shit. Um, and how, how being cognizant of it can allow you to be prepared for it. Whereas if you're already intertwined, but you don't have a whole lot of cognizance and awareness surrounding that, then you're essentially just sensitive and a bag in the wind. Hmm. So you need to be very well studied and practiced and yeah, there's, kind of cleansed, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm not so sure I, I really buy into that notion of, of cleansing per se. Uh, there's there's not nothing to that. There's definitely something to that. I think it's mostly about like um, accepting yourself wholly and allowing yourself full confidence. Uh, I think that's really ultimately what cleansing is. Um, but yeah, it, there's there's also an element of discipline to it for sure. And that's that's the reason why for millennia now it's it's been referred to as an art 
or or techne in Greek. So just as well. to give people some concrete like idea of how they could keep them their selves in check, like what do mm. you do on a regular basis to keep yourself, I guess, okay. whole and guarded? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, one of the most important things that a person can do is understand why they're feeling what they're feeling. Now that that goes through many different levels, um, but if you're feeling an emotion, especially if it stands out, you have to ask yourself honestly, um, where does it come from? Uh, does it make sense? Is it mine? Yeah. Is it, is it even mine? Like, is it um, appropriate within the context? You know, all of these things. And, and just like, it's not a matter of necessarily analyzing, but like you said, checking in with yourself, uh, just being aware of those things rather than just saying, ah, I feel angry today mm-hmm. or, or geez, I was so anxious or and so if something- I've got no good reason to be happy. What? Why am I happy if I don't have a good reason to be happy? And then you start, you know, backwards analyzing. <laughs> it's, it's so silly. But. Okay. So if something seems like drastically off, like you're, it's just not of your character or of your usual thoughts, then, then what do you do? Uh, then you put that shit under the microscope. You get, uh, yeah, you get a little more analytical, but you also... You don't feed into it. No, 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 definitely not. Um, I I guess because I've done a lot of practices for a lot of years, I've got maybe some um, some hacks, some advantages that maybe other people starting out might not have. Like, if I'm really needing to, to question something, I, I do something called aviomancy, hmm. uh, which... Brilliant that I'm with you, Avery. Um, but yes, I do aviomancy. Um, I've got a, a really good relationship with birds here, uh, mm-hmm. especially the corvids. So like if I've got questions, I I will ask crows and magpies. Crows are better at answering like immediately. Magpies, I find, answer more consistently in the long term. Yeah. Um, so, but if people aren't as in tune like with nature or, you know, have that relationship... And aren't able to decipher in the first place if they're, you know, actually getting an answer through the spirit that comes through the bird or not, you know, if they don't have anything, a tool like that in their back pocket, mm-hmm. then what can they just do? You know, like maybe this is something we need to research, but like, I just know, like I can kind of intuit if something's trying to poke at my brain right. or my spirit that's not mine, but it is kind of hard if you don't have the sort of intuition um, kind of rounded out yet, then, then I don't really know, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, self-reflection is, is a skill, not a talent. It's, it's something that all of us need to work on and all of us can continue to get better at. Right. But then, so once you've said, okay, this is a problem, it's not mine. Mm -hmm. Then what? Yeah. Then what, what, I know what I would do, but I just don't like, it's more based off of intuition. So I don't know what what we might tell people who really are so new to this, what to do. Intuition is definitely key. Uh, It's indispensable. And I know that there's, there's going to be people out there who are like, Oh, well, you know, my intuition has led me wrong before. It's like, well, did it. Okay. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say, if you get that feeling that something's not yours, um, just distract yourself, honestly, be like, cause, cause that's what it is. is putting attention into it and being like, Oh, there's something possessing me or, oh, I'm being cursed by somebody that actually give it, gives it its power. So 
exactly. I, I, I just walk away. <laughs> I vehemently agree with you on that, and I think that uh, the vast majority of the time, when like if if you come across someone who has got it in their head, well, I'm I'm cursed, I, I'm vexed, or whatever. Yeah, you literally just cursed yourself. You literally just vexed yourself. Right. You, know, you can get out of it by yeah. having like a counter thought, but yeah. Yes, yes. And I'm not uh, saying... Or not putting like as much, like sometimes you just think these things, but you don't actually mm-hmm. have weight behind it, like true, true meaning or weight. But yeah, some people really put that idea in their head. And I'm not saying that it's impossible to, to mess with somebody. I mean, of, of course you can. Like there is... <laughs> There's a long history in magic of specifically just fucking someone's day up, and it can be done. Uh, most people, especially these days, just aren't equipped for that. We're more inclined to have shit backfire so deeply on us that we think that it must be a powerful shaman that's fucking us over because we don't know how powerful we are. So I would definitely bear that in mind. Um what I've found perhaps is one of the most useful meditations though, and I know not everybody is going to have the same ontological perspective as me, but one thing that I find very helpful is the whole idea of uh, all of existence being ultimately the same. You know what I mean? Like, so regardless of if it is some demon or spirit or or maybe just some asshole down the street with magical proclivities who doesn't like you. Mm-hmm. Regardless, that's self unto self. Mm. So, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's like getting, uh, getting mad at one of your fingers. Right, because we're all one essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like we are the void. That got so bored that it needed to experience all possibilities. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to just accept that that actually means all possibilities. And some of them kind of suck. But they're all going to be experienced regardless of whether you're comfortable with that or not. Um, so for me, that's helpful. For a lot of people, that'll probably just send them spinning. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of depends on the, like the way your mind works, I guess. But Yeah, but honestly, the chances of, like you said, of this day and age of somebody being cursed it's very slim cursed in the way that they think yeah mm-hmm. but being cursed i'm telling you nine times out of ten it yeah you are because you cursed yourself just through like worrying oh that person cursed me my life is so awful yeah why does this happen to me yeah. <laughs> anytime you play the victim card you are cursed mm-hmm. because you've chosen to be yeah fair enough but I guess possession is its whole other thing. And I'd like to think mm. it's less, it's not very common either. Um, I don't, I don't intuitively feel that it is common at all. Um, I don't I think that uh, maybe our attitudes toward it have, have changed so much in such a short time that it might seem like such a distant thing where, I don't know, if, if you went back to, let's say, uh, Chaucer's time, you know, like, say. I always thought it was Chaucer. Chaucer, Chaucer, ah, whatever. <laughs> He's not here to correct me, so I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, in the days of the Canterbury Tales, like possession was a pretty common thing. Nobody really thought much more of it than they needed to, though. Mm. And they understood it was just sort of like, oh, like like another ailment. Interesting. Um. 
And certainly it was a scary ailment. Like kind of a sickness that you need to like just get out of you. Yeah, yeah. Or in some cases, like it was something that was deeply sought after as well. Uh, you know, like the various Dionysian cults with their, their Korobanti dancers and stuff like that. Or I read, I think, or a podcast. Oh, I never know about <laughs> this man who intentionally and other people in his village did too. Like they were kind of shaman like um, individuals. They asked to be possessed by jinn. Mm, that's that's some sketchy territory. But it was like kind of a common practice there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, jinn. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay, so. I wonder if you're talking about the Yazidis. Possibly. The, the Yazidis are a much maligned group. Um, no, no. It was just a regular sort of like place. And this traveler just was like encountering this and how it was something that just happened in this village. Mm-hmm. And it was just very commonplace so that the person could tell you things that they wouldn't otherwise be able to tell you. And okay, this, so like, like you said, like a weird voice or whatever would come out. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, I can't imagine that that wouldn't be damaging to have that, be to be host to that. But they, they didn't yeah. feel it was. Yeah. I guess it depends on what you're being host to. Um, maybe, maybe it's time for the second story. Um, so just to wrap up that story, um, did, so your friend... <coughs> Sorry. He watched her throughout the night, and then what happened later? Uh, she skipped town. Oh. Yeah, left the province entirely. Like, pretty much right after? Yeah. Weird. And then what What came of her? Um, mental decline. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say much more than that. Okay, and before this experience, would you say she was a little, like, on... The edge or whatever, in terms of holding herself together? No, no. Um, I mean, we all have our damage that we're working through. Um, but she was a very, at that point anyway, she was a very positive person. Um, very much earthy. You know, wow. Like, yeah. This is very, that's very shocking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, her soul got a little slimy after, but. Well, I send her positive vibes, as I think we should send most everyone. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's wrapped. Ooh, I don't even know if I want to go on the second story. Okay, fine. You don't have to, Besh. You can think about it. We've had a really good long discussion. I know. I'm sorry, everyone. This seems like I'm trying to tease and create a future <laughs> teaser, but I'm not. I just want my husband, my partner, to be psychologically okay with sharing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I am. Um, it's just, it's like when you tell somebody, okay, I have been possessed, that tends to lump you in a certain category. You know what I mean? Mm. And like, I've already been to a mental hospital. They checked. It's not that. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm there. <laughs> All the yeah, pieces. that was just during like a really precarious time in your life that kind of led to um yeah like, I, a great amount of stress yeah yeah 
nervous breakdown is not the same thing as uh, just complete psychotic delusions or whatever people would be inclined to ascribe toward uh, somebody saying, yes, I have been possessed. Um, that said, I have. And it's something that lasted for a number of years. Uh, it was not just a brief thing. Um, it's very, very difficult to describe. Uh, I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe I fucked up a ritual or something. I'm not exactly sure how it happened initially. Mm-hmm. Um, all I know is that it was, it was truthful in the most manipulative of ways. Like it would tell me things that I would have no way of knowing, but only if it could just like use that to point and laugh at me. Um, and, and like it was, it never once lied about any of the things that it said, mm. except like about my personal character and like how I need to feel about myself. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do strongly feel like it was just doing what it could to slowly drag me into suicide. Oh. Um, but it, it seemed like it was having a good time messing with anybody that got close to me while I was still here too. Oh no. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a really strange and, and difficult time. Um, so, okay. I'm sorry. I won't no, interrupt, cool. but I am. Go ahead. Your, your journalism mind must be like <laughs> shit and bricks. So. I am very <laughs> curious at, so were you able to hold down relationships with friends at this time? Because you said that it would kind of like affect them and maybe how they feel around you. Not very well. Mm. Um, like I, I ended up attacking a number of people that were very close to me. Like mentally? Like with your words? Physically. Oh no. Um, Nothing that would put you in jail. No, no, no. Like I, it's not like I was battering people or anything but i didn't think so (laughs) um yeah there was there was like a a really really uh, disturbing component of bloodlust oh wow um like i i could close my eyes and see a person's entire vein structure Ooh. yeah like i could feel it i could smell it even wow um and yeah, there was there was a number of things like that, uh, weird extrasensory stuff. That would have been so weird. Yeah, yeah, it was it was not comfortable. Um, That's like magic you don't want to experience. Yeah, no, it's it's almost like being drugged, but for a couple of years. <sighs> yeah, um, like there were there were times where it it would encourage me to to listen to other people's thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I know I know this sounds pretty fucking schizophrenic. I I understand. People can have their opinions. Go ahead. Think what you want. <laughs> I've been analyzed. I've been through it. I've analyzed it thoroughly too. Yes. Also, I live with this man and he's incredibly sane and grounded. <laughs> no, I really, truly mean that. Like, well, thank um, you. I knew right away that you were an amazing, exceptional human being who mm-hmm. is very grounded. Well, thank you. I love you so much. I love you. I'm so glad that I know you after this period of my life. <laughs> And I get to just refer to it as a story because that's, that's where it belongs. It belongs as a story and people can think of it as fictional if they want to. It's fine by me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Like it would, it would encourage me to listen to other people's thoughts. Um, 
And I'm and not... at this time, you kind of had that ability in particular because of this possession? Yeah, I didn't assume that I, I just naturally had a knack for that or anything, but like it, it came thick and fast. Ugh. Like it was, a, I, I take the bus usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I would get on a bus, even if I had headphones on, it would be like every person was their own radio station Ooh. and I couldn't turn any of them off or down. And like I could maybe focus my attention a little bit one way or another. So like I wanted to figure out what this person was thinking, then I could sort of hear that over the din of everybody else. But like mm-hmm. I could barely hear my own thoughts over everybody else's thoughts. Mm-hmm. It was it was very, very overwhelming. Um, I can imagine. But I, I tested it a number of times with people who were closer to me. And it was invariably correct. Ugh. And yeah, it, yeah, just very strange time. Um, so if any of the people who were affected by that period of my life happened to come across this particular episode, I'm sorry for the stress and strife I might have caused you. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry if I've delivered any injuries, physical or emotional, or spiritual for that matter. Hmm. Um, and I take it full responsibility for it because like I said it's self unto self yeah I I can't go and say oh well it wasn't me I was possessed by this well sure but was still me yeah you know? yeah it makes you think of it as just like this might be too simple but maybe in the grand scheme of things it's something you needed to experience hmm yeah. Yeah, I think it definitely gave me a lot more empathy for uh for people that society tends to forget and leave behind. Hmm. Interesting. Why and why do you think the voice wanted you to listen to other people's like everyday thoughts on the bus? I don't fully know. Um I think like part of it was trying like it did try to help me with a number of things. So that was, maybe that's why it lasted for so long because like I, I could kind of recognize that and I was like, ah, well, this is a bit of a shitty trade-off, but I guess I'll take it, whatever. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like I, I was pretty self-conscious at that point in my life um, and it did away with that almost entirely because it was just like kind of a fucking narcissist you think you are assuming that everybody on the bus has some negative thing to say about you like they don't have other shit going on in their mind <laughs> let me prove it to you, you know? that's amazing because yeah i would say i i think i know when this happened to you and i would say like yeah i used to struggle so hard with thinking that other people on the bus like cared like what i look like in that exact moment or yeah like how I presented myself or uh, it was just so silly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and especially when you're young, like that, that kind of shit will lead your mind up. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it, it definitely fixed that for me. Wow. Just Interesting. One bus ride specifically. I remember it. One <laughs> bus ride was all it took. And I was just like, okay, yeah, no, everybody's dealing with their own hellstorm. <laughs> yeah. And plus I, I barely even factor into anybody else's existence here. Yeah. And plus, because I had negative thoughts, like uh, like surface level thoughts about people, especially when I was young. It's just natural. You can't. We can't help but judge it, to a to a degree. Yeah, but like I, I've exercised the muscle to like not really do that anymore. Because mm-hmm. um, like it's just so stupid and whatever. 
Um, but honestly, those people like let it go almost immediately. Like the thought that they've had about you, it's like, yeah. you're really not important. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's your own judgments that stick with you again, self unto self. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So then do, do you kind of want to, you don't have to, but if you want to describe like what the voice, like, was it a voice or if you want to yeah. describe that? Yeah, uh, that's that's hard to describe um, because I, I did suffer from uh, a bit of mental illness at a period of my life, and that was different than this. Uh, that did have a voice. Mm, okay. That was like a, a weird kind of gravelly, almost polyphonic voice that seemed to be like right behind my skull. Okay. Um, but like you feel like that was more a manifestation from your brain during like tricky mental times yeah yeah i think that was essentially my my psyche saying like i i have to externalize this somehow it's oh, okay yeah that makes sense yeah um but this was totally different like it, there there were full clear sentences but nothing ever needed to be spoken it was it was delivered in like a chunk like meta knowledge Okay, wait, there were full, clear sentences, but... But nothing ever needed to be spoken. Everything just came, like... like oh, like almost telepathically? Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. Like, I've had telepathic communication with other people before, mm -hmm. and it's not quite like that, because that's, like, straining to hear whispery words almost, you know? Mm. This was different. It was, like... Um, it'd be... How do I make the comparison even? So normal communication would be, say, like listening to a CD, just any band making an album, a CD, you listen to that. That's normal communication. With this, it was like hearing the entire album in one note, but also knowing the entire backstory of the band. Oh. Like meta knowledge. It just all of it came all at once. Wow. Um, so it's kind of like implanted in your brain in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it was basically like my mind had to slow things down and parse through them. Everything was already there, but it was just like a matter of like me catching up with what had just been dropped on me. Yeah. So then what happened next, I guess, like after experiencing this for a while? Um, it got to the point where I felt that it was doing a disservice more than a service. Um, and I don't know if I want to go into the full details of the ritual that I did for it, but I, uh, I went to some weird lengths to say, like, please leave me alone now. Like, I thank you for everything you've done. I'll feed you, but this is your last meal. Get out. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think that's about as detailed as I want to go on that. Okay. Um, yeah, it was, it was weird to, to miss it. Hmm. Interesting. I can kind of understand that though. <laughs> like, um, it's like if you're so used to something negative in your life or a negative way of thinking, mm -hmm. like it almost becomes comforting. Yeah. Yeah. The, the comfort of familiarity, even if that's like, you know abuse parents or you know, a bad drug habit or whatever the case is. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, well, it was and- a toxic relationship, so I'm glad I got out of it, but yeah, I learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm really happy you got out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's bone chilling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry if that's oversharing for any of the listeners. Maybe we should have like a content warning on this episode or something. I don't know. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. Like before we start talking about it, we'll put that in. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thanks for sharing. Well, thank you for giving me the safe space to do so. Now for the fun, spooky stuff. Um, So just for some context, when Besh and I moved into this apartment, we kind of noticed things going missing and Besh, I don't know, jokingly at first, but he was like, oh, it seems like there's, you know, like a gnome or something living here. and I, I just felt it immediately. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And I don't know. I kind of have a connection to like Cel- Celtic stuff and um, they're very into like nature, magical beings and their existence in the fourth dimension that kind of pop into here. The Fae and friends. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I've always thought that was kind of cool and I don't see why not. Right. So and I didn't know how to otherwise explain these weird things <laughs> happening. Um, so, you know, you give them a little um, offering or whatever, something to eat, and then, like, the weird stuff stops. <laughs> it's true. I mean, we gave them the, the pine cone, and I think it was, a, a, like, a granola bar or something. And <laughs> shit stopped going missing, for the most part. Yeah. Uh, it's been I a think... while, and now he's a little pissed off, I think. But <laughs> <laughs> So even if it doesn't, like, reach their dimension or whatever, it, I think it's just, like, the idea of offering something appeases them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but we were just talking about demons and stuff, and we we're confident that it is not a negative entity, just in case you were worried about that. <laughs> no, maybe a little territorial, but not negative. <laughs> anyway, so then just recently, I get this text from my mom, and I we hadn't told her about our situation at the apartment, really. I just said it's kind of a, a weird apartment in some ways. Um, so she texts me, uh, quote, something weird is happening here. I've been missing two pairs of glasses, including my new sunglasses, for five days. This morning I took the empty my empty popcorn bowl to the kitchen. So I think from the night prior. Later popcorn for breakfast. <laughs> later, right where the popcorn bowl was, I find my missing sunglasses. So that's right on the kitchen counter. I asked Dad about it and he says do you mean these glasses? <laughs> and he pulls out the second missing glass case from the tea cabinet? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> he says he didn't put the glasses in either place. Neither of us admit to moving these cases. <laughs> I love that. Neither of us admit to it. <laughs> Actually, the sunglasses were in my purse when I last saw them. And the old glasses were on the TV stand. Did you see any of these cases when you were here this weekend? Or is dad trying to make me feel that I'm going nuts? (laughs) (laughs) Or I think also implied is, is he going nutty? (laughs) Now, (laughs) again, I will keep an eye on this and my parents (laughs) and their um, mental state. (laughs) 
But I do kind of have the intuitive feeling that this is just a really weird occurrence. So I let her know about the gnome story. Mm. <laughs> and um, I'm hoping, yeah, that uh, that just kind of makes her laugh and maybe we'll do a little offering over there. So we'll see if things get weirder and I might put some more um, attention to it if so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it seems to be just a one-off funny thing. Oh, I, by the way, we would love to hear uh, your own personal stories about your own house gnomes or apartment gnomes or whatever you might have going on. So uh, I know this is maybe not the best time to just interject here, but I'm doing it anyway. On Twitter, we are at un underscore godly podcast. Uh, get in touch with us there or uh, on Facebook. Facebook.com slash un dot godly podcast. Or Instagram at un.godlypodcast. Beautiful. And, uh... and but I do, um, so yeah, I will keep you up to date on any developments of that story. Yes. And um, yes, please don't worry about my parents too much. I'm always worried about people <laughs> worrying about other people <laughs> and their health. But don't oh, worry, we all have an eye on each other. The cycles of worry. <laughs> um, so I... Just think it's very funny because, of course, one of my heroes is Jim Harold, and I love mm. his Campfire podcast in particular. It is brilliant. Yes, he has several. Very yeah, he he has some several cool things going on, um, and not just one podcast. Uh, but he has mentioned several times um, this book called Jot J O T T by Mary Rose Barrington. And Jot stands for just one of those things. And it's about this exact... Yes. I like that. Yeah, me too. I'm sorry. I'm referencing my phone for things and somebody has uh, just very intensely messaged me, even though it's quite late at night. Um, Oh, about books. How serendipitous. Hmm. About this these weird recommendations this person's all of a sudden getting um anyway that's kind of funny (laughs) what are the odds um so this book uh it explains about when like a personal object might appear or disappear and then reappear seemingly Mm. out of nowhere and she likes to call these occurrences jottles yeah. <laughs> Besh loves that because because <laughs> I call like uh or actually did you start this calling like little things that I leave from like food meals and stuff biddles? Um, I can't remember which one of us started it. It just was a natural progression of language <laughs> <laughs> of just how I operate. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can make meals on biddles, so always save your biddles. <laughs> Anyway, um, so there's several different categories of these jottles. Um, There's what she calls windfalls, and it's where objects um, that were never yours just randomly appear to be in your possession. Oh, I've had that happen. (laughs) Or more mysteriously, trade-ins. And this is when an item that looks to be similar to your personal object, like is in your possession and you see it, but it's notably different than I've it was. That happened too. Yeah. 
Like, I somehow ended up swapping a pair of sunglasses with nobody. (laughs) (laughs) That is really weird. And then there's another example, walkabouts. And walkabouts are similar to my mom's situation there, where she thought something, or she's quite 100% confident that something is in a certain place and then it appears somewhere that my parents are always walking by the kitchen counter like right in the center um so that is a walkabout like it just doesn't make sense right especially when she's been looking so hard for it yeah um and she explains these occurrences through personal mandela effects and reality shifts so kind of like blips in reality So when you say mandela effect you're talking about that uh like the how everyone thinks that it's the Berenstein Bears, um, but it's actually not. It's the Bernstein Bears and stuff like that. Or, right. I think yeah, she kind of relates it to that. I haven't read the book, so I'm not exactly sure how. But it's like a false memory mass hysteria thing. Right. But she more so kind of explains it as a blip in reality. Mm, so like a glitch in the matrix. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and. So it's really interesting because Barrington was born in the 1920s and she noted that while this phenomena is widely regarded in her time, um, so like when she was a kid and stuff, they they would talk about this quite frequently, um, it also goes deep into history and it's now seldom acknowledged in today's day and age. so, so that kind of goes along with, you know, like we had a spiritual age kind of around Blavatsky's time. So then, yeah, yes, people would yeah. be more confident about talking about this stuff. Yeah, but true. then, um, you know, now uh, the scientific age has occurred and some weird things that you can't really explain, we don't, we don't really talk about because <laughs> how can you, yeah, you just when, think it's, it's your brain or. Yeah. When we over-rationalize, we end up putting on blinders. Yeah. So her the interest her format for her book is kind of interesting. She provides like some current and historical examples and she goes quite deep into it. And then she sees um like after that she kind of explores how this phenomenon could connect to psychic or metaphysical phenomena. So kind of yeah, but so kind of like blips in the matrix, or mm-hmm. maybe like um, other timelines coinciding together. Right. That's that sounds very pertinent. Yes, definitely. Um, just give me a second here. I was looking up the reviews for the book, which I now really feel that I need to get, and I would like to talk about it more with you guys. Um, <laughs> But this reviewer, he's a doctor. I'll just credit him. It's on Amazon Reviews. Dr. Peter A. McHugh. Um, he was really taken by the book. And he was talking about this jot, jot, these jot-type incidences. And um, he was specifically regarding them um, in relation to poltergeist and haunting cases. Right, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that. <laughs> because like how how often is it that there's like maybe just a little pixie thing messing with us versus it being maybe a ghost of 
maybe a previous resident of the the house that you're living in that is just like, I, I, I don't really like the fact that you put the couch there. Yeah, that's true. But also poltergeists are actually supposed to kind of be a psychic phenomena. It's your own energy that's messing with things, literally. Yeah, yeah they're, they're like emotional explosions. Yeah. Um, so that's why it's really common with teenagers mm-hmm. for poltergeists to appear in the houses. Um, so he says, by definition... Um, uh, no, sorry. (laughs) He was saying, for example, a case that I investigated in Scotland included what in terms of Barrington's classification of jottles could be described as a trade-in. One morning, a man discovered that three folded 20, uh, 20 euro, I guess, notes had disappeared from a metal container in his living room. When he returned to his house at lunchtime that day, three 20 20 euro notes were laid out on the coffee table, but they appeared new and weren't creased. In many cases, a jot might be a one-off incident. So I Hmm. think, so the stories are kind of filled with things like that, but that is very creepy and poltergeist and haunted-like. Yeah, yeah, and... You you you, uh, you know about Carrie-Anna. Um, I don't know if her listeners do. I don't know if she's been mentioned yet. But um, the person that I was with prior to you, she had a lot of these specific encounters. Really? Constantly. Like multiple times a day. Wow. And she was just absolutely convinced that her daughters were just fucking with her head. <laughs> <laughs> And they would end up experiencing frustration because, like, it would happen to them, too. And I, I can't help but wonder if it was a result of where they were living. Um, and if that's not the case, like, is it something that follows an individual? Or is it, uh, it like, is it something that arises as a result of a particular psychological state? Uh, like, I'm, I'm so curious as to to what that author postulates the the underlying mechanisms to be yeah yeah no i'll definitely have to try and get it on my kindle if not order a paperback and let let you know yeah yeah absolutely i'm uh hmm you don't happen to have the the publisher um one second because i'd love for people to not get it from amazon that's a good point. Um, yes, I in particular am trying to not Amazon anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's the a myriad of good reasons not to, and I'm not shaming anybody for Amazon purchases that they have made. We've all done it, but if we could avoid it, all the better. Okay. Product de- details. Publisher. Anomalist books anomalist mm-hmm. Ooh, i like that yeah it seems like they might have a treasure trove of interesting books yeah at An- anomalist books anomalist books cool very cool yeah and I this will- was just published in 2018 so it's pretty recent oh very nice very nice wait whoa so she was i'm i don't want to say if she's alive or dead because i i'm not certain yeah, I was going to say, like, 1920 to 2018? My goodness. My goodness. Mm-hmm. That's a span. Yes. I wonder if that's a, a, she maybe has some a re-release. Real, she can say if these 
things are really crazy <laughs> or not. <laughs> she's really lived through it. <laughs> All right. Very cool. Um, just because it came to mind and because I recently made a purchase with them also, uh, since we're talking about publishers and how it's a good idea to, to try and go through publishers directly instead of Amazon where and when possible, I would like to throw out a little shout out to Hadian Press mm. out in the UK. They've got some really interesting stuff. And uh, yeah, not too long ago, I picked up a number of things. This is what flight mode's for, babe. <laughs> Uh, including a bunch of really good Jake Stratton Kent books. Uh, anyway, check them out, hadianpress.com. Um, and I'm assuming Anomalist Books has probably got their own .com as well. Uh, if we can maybe figure out some links or something like that in show notes. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, folks, uh, it's been a slice. And I guess that uh, that about wraps up this episode. And happy Halloween. See you on the other side of that. Don't eat too much candy. (laughs) And by the way, you should probably check out Cody Johnson talking about how the poison candy is absolute bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Love you all. Ciao. Bye.